Yes, yes, we're back. You're listening to War on Anchor, and this is the Endoscope Podcast. Back at it for another week of interesting talk with the one and only Joshua Hicks, lead columnist for WeAreRegalRadio.com, and the man who writes, of course, the Endoscope Podcast every week for us. And we're thankful to have Josh back in back uh, on air with us again this week. This is Kyle Means you're listening to right now, editorial director of WeAreRegalRadio.com. And yeah, once again, hope you know, hopefully you've heard this before. If this is your first time, uh, we're chopping it up here for, for a good little bit, talking about the next interesting column that Josh will have lined up for us this coming Friday on WeAreRegalRadio.com. And maybe a, a you know a, a topic or two uh, to fill out the fill out the card later on as well. But uh, Josh, man, what's up, man? Another week, clocking clocking uh, major dollars, and uh, you know doing your thing, man. What's what's going on with you? Man, nothing much, man. Just trying to keep that grind going. Got to take, man. Got to work. You got to eat. So. For sure. Taking care of myself in the process. For sure, man. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you know, we always, always got to do that, man. All money in, as, as the late great Nipsey said. You know, uh, we gonna, we gonna keep getting it. And um, right. Yeah, man. Just uh, this week, you know, uh, let us in on, on what you got planned for the, for the, for the column this week, man. It seems like you got. Uh, it may be a little bit too temp- too tempting for some of the Bulls fans. Now, I don't know if they're gonna be able to to handle this type of situation that you're laying out that you that you plan to lay out in your in your column this week. But but go ahead and let us know, man. So there's been recent reports, uh, and one of them reported by actually our very own alumnus from Real Riga Radio, Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Shout yeah. out to Scoopy. Home team. Um, Yep, home city. But basically, um, one of the reports is that Kyrie Irving, um, and with the free agency rumors, it, this recent report is that he's considering the Nets over the Knicks. Um, there's been lots of reports of saying that Kate, that potentially uh, KD, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving will team up together and go to, to the Brooklyn, um, go to uh, to the New York Knicks. But I wrote a column. Uh, very uh, fairly recently that, st- that stated that Kyrie Irving, KD, and Big Time Free Agents should not overlook what the Nets and Clippers have to offer at the second team, second tier teams in a first tier big market. And the reason why is because of the fact that the Nets have an astounding, uh, just like the Nets and Clippers both have very high end front office management, um, very high class uh, coaching staff as well. And they're both young teams with uh, playoff relevancy. Both teams are looking like they're going to make the playoffs for the first time in a very long time for both franchises. So with that being said, if this does happen where Kyrie Irving does go to the Brooklyn Nets, that means that the all-star of this past year, D'Angelo Russell, may not get the contract that he needs or wants and deserves to stay in Brooklyn as long term. And quite frankly, from a uh, basketball playing standpoint, the two can't really gel together, especially if you're asking with D'Angelo to play back up one guard. So with that being said, I, my, my suggestion is to guard Foreman, John Paxson, Bulls, management, if you're still there, which most likely you are going to be, I would say if D'Angelo Russell hits free agency, I would go after him and can do whatever you gotta and create whatever space you gotta have to bring him to the city. He is the perfect fit from a point guard standpoint that the Bulls need and lack. Um, if you look at our current point guard situation, you kind of have to question whether we even have a point guard. Chris Dunn has been very inconsistent all year long, haven't been able to really shoot and progress in the way that we expected him to, and. Currently, if you look at our roster right now, we have a lot of backup point guards that are starting in, in our, on our on our young team. And to pair that with 
all-star potential like Zach Levine and upcoming rising stars like Larry Markman and Wendell Carter. You need a point guard that can not just facilitate the ball, but basically can run an offense efficiently and and create shots when needed. And for Bulls, and for the Bulls more specifically, can shoot the ball at an efficient level when needed from a point guard position because Chris Duncan passed the ball with Kissing Pete, but his lack, but his his uh efficiency per se is his three point jump shot. D'Angelo Russell can come in and change all of that. He's having a all star year, after twenty one points a game with seven assists. And on top of that, he's shooting seventy eight percent from the field and over thirty five percent from the three point line, which is something the Bulls haven't had all last year or even since the Jimmy Butler trade from a point guard position. So to put those two to put D'Angelo Russell in the backcourt with Zach Levine, Larry Markin as your power forward, Wendell as your center, and you have Otto Porter Jr. as well, that's a very strong starting five nucleus that can really compete next year. And if and since you are in the Eastern Conference, it's still not as even though it is getting stronger, it's still not as strong as the West. And now you're possibly looking at the Bulls maybe, just maybe, making that A seed in the playoffs next year. But that's only if you get an elite point guard to fit the strong, upcoming, thriving young nucleus that the Bulls are trying to that the Bulls currently have and are trying to put together. Well, that's a that's a hell of a scenario, man. You know, I'm, and I, I don't think you would uh, find a Bulls fan that would, uh, you know, reject having D'Angelo Russell uh, play for the Bulls if that was possible. But that's like it's kind of a big if, though. I mean, it's kind of like saying right now, you know, I wish that you know hundred dollar bills would rain from the sky. You know, or that my farts would smell like, you know, roses or something, you know. I, mean, I, I don't really know. I mean, it, it, it's kind of assuming a lot, you know. And, and I think, I, I think, what let's let's go, let's let's go back and go. Let's go back to the beginning, and and I and I think that it does start from a good place because, um, you know, Kyrie is going to be looking for a, a, a looking for a home if. If not Boston, then somewhere else, uh, a, a new place to play in the summer. They are the, the rumors are percu- have percolated that he and KD may want to team up, and if they do want to team up, there's going to be only one, a couple places really realistically, couple of markets we should say realistically that they want to put that they would likely play in. The two top two primarily being New York and LA markets, and then. Like you said in your in your in your great column recently, you no know, the the opposing teams out as opposed to the Lakers and the Knicks in those towns, you know you have in the 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 other teams the B teams you would say you know we could say for no other reason than the fact that they don't have the history and the popularity of the other of the Knicks and the Lakers, the Nets, the Clippers, and. You know, those t- both of those teams are very tempt should be very tempting because they are set up right now to succeed and set up for the future to succeed. And you know, the Nets, yeah, they like I said in large part because of D'Angelo Russell's efforts this year have are a playoff team this year. So that kind of sets up two things. It sets up one where, okay, uh, you know. Kyrie is Kyrie may see that team as interesting, and but he would have to, again to bump off Russell, and the Nets would have to be willing to take to set aside essentially this guy that they took a risk on when his his value was very low coming out of the you know his first year with the Lakers. They took a risk in trading on trading them, trading for him, acquiring them. And he's been worth it in many ways. You know, are we have what reports out, if any, are we hearing regarding the Nets' willingness to really put Russell aside? I mean, we know that Kyrie is the superior player. Kyrie is a franchise player, but at the same time, we look at what is what's been going on in Boston. There's been sort of a lot of uh, you know discontent and. 
um, you know, dysfunction circling around him, even though Boston has overall succeeded with him on the team, you know, are we sure that that's something that Brooklyn will want to risk? Even if whether they get him or the pack, I guess the package of him and KD would probably be worth it taking on. But you know, if, if it was just if it was just Kyrie on his own, would they would that be a move that they make, or do you think that they would have to have the package of him and KD to take that on? I think they have to have the package of him and KD to really pull that off. Um, it, but if for some reason, if Kyrie really does want to come through, I will say you do it. And the reason why I would say you do it is because if you get Kyrie, you still technically have one more max slot to, to, to fill in Brooklyn. So if you don't get a KD, you, or let's put it way, if you do get Kyrie, you increase the chances of getting KD. But if you don't get KD, there's a lot of other pretty decent names out there as well that can fill that max slot. You got Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Who's available out there. Uh, which will be a great guy for Kyrie to want to play with. They played together in Team USA and then Joe and built the developed a relationship there. Yeah. Um, and and not to mention as well, if you were to trade, let's just say that if D'Angelo Russell does become a free agent, he does uh, stay on the roster and they have to trade him. You can get some good value back from, the, from a trade like that because of the fact that he is still young. He is an all-star. And at the end of the day, it will still be cheaper, per se, because of the fact that you're not giving him a max contract and you don't have to pay him the big bucks because you're giving all that to Kyrie Irving. And you can just focus on adding extra pieces that can correlate with the players that you're already bringing in, which would be Kyrie and possibly another next player. Okay, you now that, another, that... You can bring another uh, a nice small forward piece um, to go along with it, a good power forward to team up with um, Jared Allen. You can possibly bring in some uh, another starter on another team that can correlate with um, an upcoming guard play like Spencer Dinwiddie or Karis LeVert, which are two players that have really been really improved and been on the rise for this young court. You can add, you can move those guards to the bench and have a nice starting shooting guard, so that way you're not just only improve your starting lineup. Now you have a now you have a strength bench. You have a stronger bench. Yeah. And which is big in the Eastern Conference uh, moving forward, especially come playoff time. So sure. I think it's definitely a good scenario that you should go after, whether you're the Bulls with the, for the Nets, whether you're the Bulls or not, because the Bulls, D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell brings something that the Bulls lack, that they need desperately. What I trade for, I don't know. Because now you're thinking, about, now you got to talk about getting rid of Zach Levine or getting rid of the, getting rid of a Larkin type of player to fill that gap. And for the Bulls, they don't have enough firepower to want to get rid of any of that. So unless they get a huge, super big free agent, which is very unlikely this year. And see, so that's- if I was in that, if Kyrie really is talking about coming to Brooklyn, I would do it. I would bring him in and trade whatever I get, whatever value that I can for D'Angelo Russell while I still while I can. And in my, and like I said, it could be something that can slowly but surely happen on draft night. It could be something. Who knows what may happen with this Anthony Davis trade? They may be in the Anthony Davis trade sweepstakes to where maybe you can trade D'Angelo Russell to uh, New Orleans and get Anthony Davis to pair up with Kyrie Irving and another free agent in Brooklyn Nets. Now you're talking a big three. So yeah. it's a lot of different ways this should go about. But I, if I'm the Nets, I would at least consider it, especially if Kyrie Irving really is considering the Nets, whether he brings KG with them or not. As a long-term future. Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm riding. I'm still riding with you a bit on that because I, I would say too that you probably would, you would take the risk with, uh, you know, take the risk with Kyrie. If if Kyrie come, if Kyrie came to the Nets, say, you know, for say, and was like. You're, you you guys are on my short list. You guys are a team, that, a franchise that I want to be a part of. I would see. I would say, okay, yeah, you you take that on, and especially too if he's if he's providing KD or even maybe Jim, or even maybe Jimmy would be, would be enough to say, okay, we're gonna go with you guys, and we'll see what we can do with with Russell on the trade market. I get that. Now, now that's the thing too with with 
once you have Russell on the market, the Bulls that as we as we transition this over to the Bulls, you, the Bulls would have a lot of competition for quite frankly. You know, even though there are a lot of guards, there are a lot of point guards that are entrenched in the league right now for different, uh, you know, respectable teams and and uh, contending teams. You know, with the as far as you know, as far as the Bulls go, you're looking at a team. You're a team that doesn't, like I said, they're not always on the ball. Then they're a team that doesn't often act proactive with these sort of situations and where you know trades are possible and you you may hear about a, a guy being put on the market like an Anthony Davis he's been on the market for a half a year now and the Bulls weren't never in talks at all and, you know, and there's reason for that of course but you know you, you just don't hear about the Bulls being um, you know in play for any of these big type of deals. Now, if you have D'Angelo Russell available, you know the Bulls would have to the Bulls would have to separate themselves from the pack in in regards to putting together a package. And a lot of that would have to do too with where they're going to be in this upcoming draft. I, I would think. So if you know that's that's where things can get complicated too, where it's like. If the Bulls say pick up, say they they get in the top two of the draft, and or even one, if they get at one, and they're they're at one, and they're like, okay, we can get Zion, then the, then all this stuff happens with the Nets, and they're baiting Russell maybe to get the number one themselves, and they're like, we're not gonna we're gonna we, we'll, we'll put Russell in play, but we need the number one pick. Well, if you're the Bulls, what do you do in that situation? Or if you get if you got number two and you have a chance of getting John Moran, what do you do if you're the Bulls in that situation? Do you just go with Ja and build your team as you've been building it? Or do you make the deal for the number two spot and let the Nets pick who because the Nets aren't going to pick Ja if they get number two in the draft. They're going to pick somebody else, you know, Barrett or whoever that, you know, fans, fan sees them. You know, they're going to you know, pick somebody else because they got they got point guards already and the incoming Kyrie and Spencer Dinwiddie. So it's it's, it's like I, 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 I this is really a tantalizing thing here, but I don't know it may be a little you know, I'm not trying to undercut the column, but maybe a little early because to put that on the Bulls exactly because the Bulls don't really have all that stuff set up yet. Because you, you as I think about it, you know, they really got to know what where they're going to be in that in that lottery before they could even think about really doing something like that. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah, definitely. Um... It, it, uh, a lot of it does have to does depend on where we get the draft. If the Bulls get the second or top two pick, and you have a chance to go up to Zion or John Moran, and me, me specifically, I would go for John Moran just because he fills that legit point guard vibe or point guard role that we lack. Oh, okay, well, I'm okay, not for, well, I'm not, I'm not trading for D'Angelo. Well, that's okay. Well, that's where, and, and I don't know if you're going to do this in the column or not, but this. That, that would be a good sidebar, at least. So you say you would pick, if, if you had the chance to pick over between the two, you would pick Ja over D'Angelo? Yes, I would. Okay. But if they so... Both have, they both have positive upside, but Ja Moran, um, Ja Moran is the more athletic version as a more athletic version of D'Angelo Russell, and with the Bulls' athleticism, he will fit perfectly, especially on the defensive end. And and as as I'm getting D'Angelo's salary up, he's it's very you know, I don't even know the Bulls really wouldn't have to do much. I would say, and that this goes back to the trade, you no, know, and the trade of you know maybe what what the Bulls would have to send to Brooklyn in return. Monetarily, 
you're not talking about a big commitment in in Russell, you know, going going beyond going up up until the the summer of 2020. Cuz uh coming up in this he's acting I mean, he's actually under contract through this next year and that's it. 1920. Okay. 1920 he's owed uh, according to Hoops Hype, he's owed just over nine million dollars. Then he's looks like he's on the market after that. So that's yeah, that's that's fascinating with Russell. Cause um, you know, we're we're talking about him setting himself up for a big payday in the summer of twenty twenty. And if you know, if the Nets could be in a situation where they it makes it more tantalizing for the Nets to go after to Irving, go after Irving, because you you get Irving this year, you set you set him up with that big max deal. You only paying like you only paying. It it actually sets up the Nets to do something that we wouldn't we haven't we sort of threw out the window earlier, and that is actually keep Russell on the roster with Kyrie up until uh, the season. Or you know, at some I don't know. You know, sometimes these contracts, you have a certain point entering the season where you have to trade a guy before. Like that was that was the case with Jimmy. Like uh, he had to be traded for a certain point by Minnesota, as you know, the season already started and everything, and he had to be traded before a certain point. I forget the date exactly, but you have stuff like that. But with, if you have you have Russell, who is a, have he's he'll be an expiring contract. Which makes him very much, like I said, it makes him very much in play for a lot of different teams in the league. You know, going, it makes him, especially teams that are contending, it makes him in play for those teams. It makes him in play for teams that, you know, may want to extend him for a long time, you know, coming out of his rookie contract. It's it's just a lot of, it's a, it's a lot of interesting things. Like if you look at, and you look at the nooks and crannies here, where uh, yeah, Russell could be in play to be traded out of out of Brooklyn, which would be kind of shocking. But I, like I said, if he get if you get Kyrie, you know that's that's kind of the that's kind of the, the dividing line there. Getting Kyrie or not getting Kyrie, you know what are you what are you gonna do for your future if you're Brooklyn? So yeah, I, I don't know, man. I I, I like the I like. I like where you're going with this, man. As far as the Bulls go, I would love to see, you know, like especially looking at this contract, I would love to see them have a chance at a guy like that. That would be probably just as worth worth it to me as having a job enter the league this year, and you have then you'd have control of him for four years. But it's almost just as worth it to get to get Russell here at this point and have him locked, you know, give him that extension entering 2020 and have him locked up for even longer, even though you're going to be paying him a lot more. But, you know, hey. Right. It's definitely, it's definitely a good idea that we should at least consider. But like you said, the biggest thing is with the front office being proactive and trying to make that a reality. And unfortunately, that's never always that's never really been the case unless it was unless it gets to a situation where it had to be done, like the Jimmy Butler situation. Right, um, coming out, and, yeah, so coming out of some dysfunction or something, yeah. Right, right. So and they've never been the type to do they've never been the type to do that. So I don't expect it, but especially, but I'm, I'm telling you, if depending on where we get in the draft, as far as from a pick standpoint. And the free agency slowly goes around, and Kyrie makes a big decision to go to the Brooklyn Nets, whether KD comes with them or not. Now, and DeAndre Russell becomes on the market. Now, if you're the Bulls, you gotta you gotta go for it. I say you have to go for it. That's literally that would make him one of the top point guards, not just in the entire offseason, available on the market to utilize. Now, now a good point you brought up was the Nets keeping. Russell for at least another year and letting him be the backup to Kyrie Irving. But 
I don't see that personally happening just because of the progression he's made this, uh, the past couple of years, especially this year, making the all-star team. Like, this was the year that basically solidified that he's going to be paid at least a $20 million back, a $20 million deal for the future. Like, this, this year really solidified that. So, as a starter, being that leader and taking him to the playoffs, I don't see him serving and that role that wasn't to take a back seat as he's still progressing in his career to a guy that's already making noise about the league like he did this year becoming an all-star. Yeah, I mean, but... And, and you know, we as we we have to had to wrap this up in a little in a minute here, but I think there's there's other things that you could do too if you're Brooklyn. You can possibly try a, a, a starting backcourt with those two women. Like D'Angelo is we you know we we've come to see him as a point guard definitely, but you can maybe play him. You can maybe exchange times where you play off play one or the other off the ball and you know starter minute starters starting is just starting essentially. I mean it's it'll be it's a you know you could take one guy out in a couple in five minutes, take one guy out and did didn't have them rotating, you know, where you know where one controls the ball or one doesn't control the ball or one's on the court and one's not on the court. I mean it like I like I say I think that the more so than the, the this is the type of see this is the type of stuff where you know uh, franchises get paid you know people who run franchises get paid big bucks because of stuff like this because yeah you do have the the growth and development of Russell to factor in but you also have a a cheap contract that you're keeping them under and you have the ability to lock him up. You know, for you know, for a long time after that, and that could be that could be a good backup plan in case you know. Look, look, Kyrie. Like again, Kyrie has in two as forced to trade already from Cleveland. He's been the subject of a lot of scrutiny and all type of of uh, drama. You know, a little more drama than really is needed in Boston. What's to say he goes to Brooklyn and then? A year is complaining about being there. I mean, even you know we and, and I'm I'm gonna connect uh, you know put out links in in the description for this for this uh, for this post for this broadcast. I will put up links to your stuff as well as some of the stuff the scoop is written. Uh, you know, we we can we can look at Kyrie and say you know yeah he's a he's a New York area guy. He's a guy who has, you know, he's, I guess he's rooted, rooted for the Nets in his childhood and stuff like that. But he's a guy also who just has a lot of stuff riding on him right now. And he seems to be a guy who just is hard to satisfy. You know, he wasn't, he was hard to satisfy at Cleveland when he's playing with the best player in the league and winning championships. He's hard to satisfy now. He's playing with one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. I would think. The possibility is there for him to be less than satisfied playing for a team that's even less developed in Brooklyn. So that's you know, that's just me. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it'll be interesting, man. This is this is the type of stuff that if you're not really in the hunt for the championship right now in the NBA, this is the type of stuff that you can occupy your mind if your team is not uh, you know on that level of the. Of Golden State or you know the Bucks or Houston or or et cetera, Philly or whatever, you know you can occupy yourself with a lot of this stuff here, and uh, you know be satisfied going into the summer because there's a lot of different things that can happen, a lot of different scenarios uh, going on in the NBA right now. So uh, yeah, Josh, we gonna we gonna look into that, man. Uh, this is the Endoscope Podcast. We'll be back in a minute here. We'll take a, a quick break, and then we're going to finish out this uh, latest this latest episode with some more talk NBA. We'll probably do some more NBA talk here <laughs> right after this quick break. And 20 assists. Russ, talk about the emotions. Talk about your performance tonight. Um, the other one, man, is unbelievable to go out and humble them. Great for the game, man, but 
I wasn't for me, man. I was for my, for my bro, man. That's for Nixon, man. 20 plus 20 plus 20. They know what that means, man. That's for my bro. Uh, rest in peace, Nipsey, man. I'm just thankful to be able to go out and compete at a high level, man. Thankful to have these teammates. Thankful and humble to be able to go out and play the game I love. I like PD on my dick. I'm a squeezing bucks. If a rap nigga did switch cheeses, bucks. All this rap money, nigga, look, I need too much. Money, loyalty, and love in the dream we trust. You'll be switching up the players on your team too much. Tiny copy, that's my love, young Supreme, what's up? And we travel around the world getting cream or what? Ain't you get off on whoever hustle seem to rush? Las Vegas strip pop, yeah, you creamed them punks. After all that looking tough, all he seen was stunts. 50 Cent and Mayweather flee the scene with us. Choke story. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life, yeah. All my life, been grinding all my life. Pay the price, want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why all my life, I've been grinding all my life, look. Back in the building here, in the Scope Podcast, giving you a, a little deeper episode this week, a little bit of a transition here as we go into our, go into our secondary topic. Uh, yeah, we we gonna stay with the stay with the hoops here, and uh, get to a little something you know definitely historical and definitely uh, highly resonant. I would say, given what happened earlier this week with the uh, the unfortunate uh, murder of uh, Nipsey Hussle out there in L.A., uh, a lot of people a lot of people have reacted a lot of different ways to to that uh, you know that brutal development, man, and uh, Definitely, Nipsey is someone who uh, the culture is going to miss in, in in a very deep way, and uh, that really has extended a lot to the sporting scene and to the NBA in particular, where you have a lot of guys right now who who have come out of uh, LA, Southern California in particular, and they uh, you know have bumped up against Nipsey in some way, or they really consider themselves. Uh, tight with him, if, you know, friends with him, and uh, one of the probably, probably the most uh, public display of uh, you know a, a salute to Nipsey and uh, really you know a dedication to to this to this guy has been with Russell Westbrook, and uh, Russell put together an amazing game uh, Wednesday, uh, excuse me, Tuesday evening. And um, against uh, the Lakers, uh, interestingly enough, uh, the first 2020-20 triple-double since Will Chamberlain, the only 2020 triple-double in, in the NBA besides Will Chamberlain, we should say. And uh, yeah, he did it. He did it for Nip, he said, man, 2020-20 adds up to 60. And if you know about the Crips in Southern California and L.A., you know what that means. So, uh, yeah, Josh, man, you just uh, give us a little bit of what you thought about that whole display and that whole performance, and uh, you know what what it meant to see and hear that in the in the wake of uh, you know the of Dipsy's uh, murder and all that and all this uh, you know mourning that the people have been doing this week. that 
your path of your past and what you grew up in and how you can live a different life than what you uh, were accustomed to. These type of narratives that people in the black community, especially from a black male perspective in the community, need to hear. We need to educate ourselves on it, need to know. And it reaches out to not just the average black man. It reaches out to all professional, uh, for sure in the NBA, a lot of professional uh, black athletes. Um, and, and, and it honestly reminds me of Drake's lyrics in his um, in his album, Thank Me Later, well, in the song Thank Me Now, where he said, I swear music and sports are so synonymous because we want to be them and they want to be us. And this is a really good example of that because black athletes really grew up loving Nipsey Russell and what he stood for. I mean, Nipsey Hustle, I'm sorry, and what he stood for. And black athletes like Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Jamal Crawford, all those guys that, um, with most of them growing up or having some form of a connection to L.A., um, to really li- uh, listen to it, listen to his music. They just listen to his music all the time. They actually, like you said, they develop personal relationships with them. And even probably was on the progress of working and doing business with them. I know James Harden made a tweet saying that he was working on a project with Nipsey Hussle to promote the black male and the black communities uh, before he uh, eventually was shot and killed. So um, it definitely plays a big role in athletes' lives. And this is just a prime example of that. And it's a very disheartening situation that we, uh, that not just as black athletes, but black Americans have to go, have to, you know, be a part of. This is some, this is a, too much of a narrative that not just, and not just all universal, but really hit home here, especially here in Chicago, that we have to experience on a daily basis. And for him to happen, uh, to him, someone that's really trying to, that was really turning his life around and really trying to give back to the black community. It's very, it's very disheartening and very sad situation to, be, uh, to really grasp and understand. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely a tragedy, man. You know, I think you know with Nip, he was uh, a guy who had a lot to offer. You know, beyond uh, his public persona, even he he was a guy who walked it as he talked it, and uh, you know he he seemed you know as I've looked at a lot more. You know, because I, I I heard stuff with him before his death. I wasn't the biggest fan of his music. Just, you know, I didn't have nothing against it. I just, you know, listened to other people more. But, you know, knowing that he had his, uh, you know, things like Vector 90 that he was setting up, the STEM uh, education projects that he, he was trying to get kids involved in in the greater LA area. And, uh, you know, even this stuff with the gang, you know, trying to maintain peace amongst the gang sets in LA and uh, you know apparently that Monday on Monday he was planning to have a meeting with uh, officials in LA regarding uh, you know you know the gangs in LA and uh, I guess you know doing things to make things safer in LA as a whole it, it's, it's like I said it's hard to, to for a lot of people to take and it's difficult to see you know what what a, you know I think has to be a random killing uh, go you know no matter what you think about any type of uh, uh, you know conspiracies or whatever it, it still was a random killing that wound up happening for no reason because dude wasn't asking for it. he wasn't doing anything to hurt anybody really as a whole definitely not the community as a whole and uh, you know he it, it's it really was really sucks to see but in the response. Like the response that we have as a community, uh, you you get some heartening things, and and with Russ, with Russell, with, you know, with Westbrook, it's it's kind of very, you know, it was really fitting that he has put together. I think the the most uh, resonant uh, salute uh, tribute, I should say, and uh, by doing it on the court with his play. And, uh, you know, he's a guy who really puts his heart in what he does on the court and uh, is very serious about what he does on the court. Um, and, yeah, you know, the statement that he made after the game to to, to Jeff Perry was, uh, you know, like I said, that was that it, it just said straight to the point what he was doing. And he made sure that there was no mistaking 
what he was doing and he, and he alluded to the 202020. I mean, that's just a lot, that's just really admirable on a physical athletic level to go out and be like, okay, I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna go ahead and take control of this game and make sure that at the end I do this specific numerical thing to to big up my guy. You know, it, it's very few people in, in the game, in the history of the game, who could control a, a game to that to that level and to that degree, you know, to that to that point, you know, uh, Russell is He's gonna end this year with his third straight year at averaging a triple double. You know, when it's all said and done, what do you think? You know, because because you have some people who say, well, the triple double doesn't mean it may not mean as much now because it's sort of like it's a little easier to get now for whatever reason than it was in past in past eras and stuff. And you know, other people talk about you know. You know, people hogging in certain ways with stats. You know, the, there's the phenomenon of the of the greedy assist and all that stuff. But w- when it comes to Russ and the way that this era of his career has played out, with him just being a, a complete stat machine and doing this triple double average for such a long period of time, you know, what, what do you think that? that belongs in the pantheon of achievement, individual achievement in the NBA. Russell Westbrook at the end of the day will go down as one of the top players to never win a championship. I think because hmm. of the way his shooting is as of right now from a shooting efficiency standpoint or lack thereof of the jump shot, they won't have they won't have a whatever team he's uh that's put together in Oklahoma City for him. They they won't go very far into the championship into the championship round and really compete for a championship unless you have like a Kevin Durant or something, someone of that high of a caliber to come back to your city. But <laughs> y'all do, yeah, um, no, that's gonna happen. Right. So that's what, so I, I don't know about him winning a championship, but if but there's a lot of guys in the NBA that made that been successful and and their brand and their name for things for scoring achievements for overall achievements without winning championships. Charles Barkley is a great example. Yeah. Allen Iverson is a great example. Those guys may not have won championships, but they changed the game in their own way or fashion that they eventually became Hall of Famers for it. And I think Russell West was going to be in that same category. His is like a, even though I don't care what really, really what people really say when it comes to oh it's easy to get triple double now yeah it's, it's probably easier because the rules have changed but at the end of the day he did it for three straight years yeah and one of those years he literally had nobody on his team before they even got Paul George and Carmelo Anthony at, at one point in time so before him having the real help that he got or deserved he literally used his leadership and overall skill set to become an overall player for this team and to be so complete that he had to do everything on a level for them to succeed in each of those years they made the playoffs um, so within those triple doubles even though he made even though he made Patty stats he's being somewhat successful in the winning category and in one of the hardest conferences ever really put together in a very long time within the, within the league so He's going to go down as one of the top players to never win a championship. And it's going to be iconic because of the way he transformed the game and transformed the definition of what it's like to be a complete player, especially from a point guard position, which is something not many people really thought he could do when he first entered the league. Hmm. It's, it's interesting that you, you sort of write the chapter already, man. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that, too, because it's, it's, it's just hard to imagine what type of situation is going to unfold that's going to allow either Russ to change his game in a way that will allow for a team to develop around him that would be able to win a championship or, you know, for him to just, I, I just don't think that he's going to be able to go full bore even with a guy like George around him or with any, any other number of talented people around him. I, I was find it hard for him to go full bore as he's been going, 
and find a way to win against more complete teams like the uh, Golden State Warriors or whoever else may stand in this way for the rest of his career. So it'll be interesting. And it does does seem like he's sort of set up destiny-wise to be one of those guys like a Barkley, you know, like a AI who uh, was very transformative and superlative, but just didn't get that that uh, Larry O'Brien didn't get to hold up the Larry O'Brien in the end. And, you know, again, that's that's one thing that every era in the NBA has those players. And, you know, just because you, you know, very few players have been part of dynasties because they've been in the NBA because they're very few dynasties, period. You know, essentially they've been like, you know, extended dynasties you've had the Lakers the Celtics the Bulls and and the Spurs essentially and that's you know between you know here and there other teams have won in between and you've had a couple of repeats and stuff in there you know like like Detroit and such and but uh, you know and then you know Miami but uh, you know very few teams and, and, the, and the Warriors now you could say of course is a dynasty and but like I said, very few players get to share in that constant win. And it seems that on a on a generational level, you have one or two players who do that, and then everybody else has to just fall in line and succeed on their own, you know, on their own level, you know, on their own find their own definition of overall success and hall of fame. Uh, you know, level success and Russell, we know is going to be a first ballot guy, but he may not be that guy to define this era, but he's going to be a guy like Barkley in particular, I think, or like AI who we, you people are going to look back on Russell and be like, man, how did he do these things? And, you know, for us to saw him live in his prime and stuff, we just going to have to do the work and explain like this was a guy who really did the amazing things and you had to see it and you know whatever YouTube is available at that point just let them know that you gotta watch you gotta watch him and, and look at those clips that are available cause uh it's, 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 it's sort of easy to explain and hard to explain at the same time but he's worth explaining cause he's one of those special guys so uh yeah, let's just wrap it up with that, man. Uh, another In The Scope podcast, Josh Hicks and uh, Kyle Means here doing it big as, as as only we can, man. Catch us on Anchor FM. Hopefully, if you're listening to this on, on Anchor FM, you can also catch us on many other platforms, including uh, Spotify now. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spreaker, and uh, TuneIn app. Just look up We Are Regal Radio or War, W-A-R-R, and you can find us, you know, doing our thing. All our past episodes of In The Scope and all our other great podcasts, you can check us out. And keep us, you know, subscribe. Rate us as you can. Give us five stars on Apple, man, if, if you if you like to listen to us there. And also uh, check us on um, check if you see a link that says support this podcast, man. You know, click on it and take a look, man. You, you know, we'd appreciate any support that we can get. You know, we gotta we got our hands out. We ain't we ain't ashamed of it. You know, we do a, a lot of work to uh, put these shows together and. We appreciate any type of support you may offer us. If, if you do offer us support, we may give you something special along the way. Uh, even uh, give you some time on one of our shows, maybe. You know, you never know. But uh, click on those links if you come across. Them. And um, yeah, that's it for now, man. We gonna gonna put it out uh, Friday. Another Indusco podcast with Josh. And uh, that's it, man. Today, next week, we should have a pretty special episode. Uh, with our uh, In The Scope podcast with Josh and our guy Scoop B, Brandon Robinson. So you definitely going to want to check that out if you like what we've been doing so far. That should be a, a definitely 
uh, a special episode of In the Scope for uh, next week as well. But uh, that's it now. Josh, you got anything else to say to the people? If you can, I know it's going to be a little late, but uh, I will be on 670 The Score. Well, it, by the time this comes out, yeah. Early Thursday. So because of that. But well, by the time this comes out, you gonna, yeah, that's already going to happen. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's going to happen. So we'll so yeah. be on the lookout for another link or so yeah. about regarding my interview or an appearance on 6 4 The Midnight Show with Les Brokesty. Yeah, definitely check that out. We'll, we'll, you know, uh, we are Real Radio, uh, social media, and uh, Josh's social media. Yeah, give, give the people your social media, man, so they can follow you and they can know firsthand when you're doing things like that in the future. Follow me on Instagram at that guy Josh Hicks and on Twitter at jhicks042. Definitely, definitely. Follow, follow Josh. Big, uh, definitely a good follow. Not only with his opinions, but uh, you want to keep up with him as he makes his makes his moves along the way. Man, he's doing big things. So, uh, yeah. Once again, Endoscope Podcast. We are radio.com. We're gonna head out for this week. Shout out to everybody who's on the ground and everybody who's trying to make things a little better. Rest in peace once again to Dipsy Hustle and uh, LA. Keep it strong, man. All right. Much love, and we out. Now, like a stock now. Every time I take the top down, she arch her eyebrows. Turning up the music hot now, she feel alive now. Love me like we from a small town, let's make them all around. You splurge, I splurge. We ball later and we ball now. Stuck in the ground. Stuck in the ground, I'm stuck in the ground. Look me in my eyes, call me on my lies. I'm stuck in this ground, I'm stuck in this ground. Ain't no going back once the lights on you Left the dorm in the middle of the night, homie After David's going viral, that's your life, homie Ain't no point of even trying to lie, homie Just go out to all ass and why, homie If you step before the sign, you should die, homie Fuck you niggas, you disrespect the tribe, homie Wounded pride, it's written all in your eyes, homie Stuck in the ground Stuck in the ground, I'm stuck in the ground Look me in my eyes, call me on my lies I'm stuck in this ground, I'm stuck in this ground Yeah, the NBA, we are winding down the season The Bulls actually pulled off uh, another one of those unexpected But in this case, meaningless wins last night That they picked up over the Washington Wizards, 115-114 to 114. Josh Hicks, who has been with us several times before Joins us again this morning He is an NBA writer for WeAreRegal.com Josh, how you been? good how about you hanging in um a regular season is ready to wind down and for for bulls fans here i think we can say that uh this has been another one of those uh kind of meaningless ones definitely definitely it's been an interesting season and need to say so kind of glad that chicago bulls are now winding down the season we can focus our attention to the off season where we can try to improve our team and prepare for the next season they got a ways to go last year I would say that the uh, the so-called tank, call it what you want, I would say it was a, not necessarily a failure, but it was nothing better than mediocre. They ended up getting a good pick under, unfortunately, an injured pick, which has been... A, and, and look at all the players that they've had to sit down. They sat everybody down for that Knicks, Knicks game, and they ended up losing. And they sat just about everybody down for this Washington game, and they actually won. But I think, uh, Josh, it's pretty obvious they're going to be fourth from the bottom. They still could get uh, one of the top two or three picks. Maybe they'll have a shot at uh, Zion Williamson. My guess is that's not going to happen for the Bulls. What do you think? I, like I agree with you. I think we are going to be the uh, fourth in the NBA, and I think we're going to be a top four pick in, in the draft, and more specifically the number four pick in this draft. Ideally, it would be great to be a top two or three pick based on the lucky of the, the luck of the ball for the most part. But I think I think no matter what, we're going to be that fourth draft pick in this upcoming draft. The bottom three are supposed to have an equal shot at getting uh, any of the first three selections. And the Bulls, by uh, percentage, as you just alluded to, Josh, would be the fourth selection. Um, they're going to get, as Jerry Krause used to say, a fine player. That's not good enough. 
They need a difference maker. They don't need a fine player. They need a great player at this point. Yes, they do. Um, but this draft is really interesting because of the fact that if we are selected number four, the chances of us getting Zion Williamson and, and John Morant, which I believe are the top two players that could really make a, fran- a difference for your franchise, they most likely they're going to be off the board. So it's going to be interesting to see who the who the Bulls actually select with that number four pick. Um, we all we both know that most likely they do need some a, a, some form of a point guard, and if John Morant is off the board, you wonder if they're going to look to the draft possibly to draft maybe a Kobe White out of North Carolina or would they use that pick to still select the best player that's in the draft which as of right now it looks like it's going to be Rui Hachimura from Gonzaga the big man from Gonzaga and maybe look towards the free agent market to possibly get that point guard or maybe even in the offseason if a big time elite player may become available depending on how free agency goes about and what the big time superstars that we have within the 29, uh, 2019 free agency pool decide uh, once they make the choice of where they want to go during free agency, maybe it can open up some opportunities to, for the Bulls to maybe look into some possible trade opportunities as well. But at the end of the day, the Bulls got to be aggressive with whatever they do this offseason to make that extra leap that they need to take so they can be more of a competitive team within the, uh, the next season. It's 12 minutes after 2 a.m. Joining us live here on Score Overnight, Josh Hicks, the NBA writer for WeAreRegal.com. He's been with us before. Josh, glad you joined us here again. Um, what do you think of Dunn? I mean, uh, at times he's shown uh, spots. Do you think he could be the point guard down the, the, the stretch, or do you think he's more like uh, uh, a backup point guard to be brought in off the bench if he's back with the team next year? I think he's more of a backup point guard. He's ever since the uh, the Jimmy Butler trade when he came from the Minnesota Timberwolves, seems like he can't stay healthy and he's been very inconsistent. And quite frankly, you can even make an argument for this year with all the changes that's been going on. It's affected his play to where he's actually declined this season. Um, he's not a very effective three point shooter like he used, like he can be. His, his jump shot isn't consistent. And you could, at times this season, he's very, it seemed like he's very, uh, he's very, he wasn't fully concentrated this season. He wasn't always locked in when it comes to playing both ends of the floor. So I don't think he's a real, I don't think he's the real future of this franchise. And I think they need to move on from him. Or if they do try to move on from him, uh, if they don't really keep him as a backup point guard, but as far as, in a, like, like we talked about before, the Bulls need an elite point guard to take them to the next level that they want to go with this rebuild. And, for, and quite frankly, Chris Dunn is not that guy that's going to get them there. Laurie Markin has been shut down for these remaining few games. Uh, he had uh, uh, accelerated heartbeat and a couple other things. Saw him the other day at the Advocate Center, and uh, he actually looked pretty good, and he said he was feeling a little bit better. But that's kind of a scary thing, and this is one of the uh, key elements that they're counting on along with a guy like uh uh zach levine otto porter jr people like that but uh, they're really counting on uh, marketing who is a past number one draft pick to still be a key element definitely Lowry is the glue to this to this young core this young nucleus that the bulls are counting on he's, he's literally that glue uh he's the baby he's the homegrown kid from, uh from a bulls drafting standpoint so they really are banking on him to be that guy that can get us to that next level. It is a scary, unfortunate situation for him to go through this heart uh, issue. Former Bulls player Eddie Curry had some had something similar to that. And apparently it's been a really big theme within the NBA when it comes to these type of situations. Brandon Ingram from the Lakers had that issue where he had to have surgery for blood clots. And Chris Bosh, who recently just retired his jersey with the Miami Heat, he, his career got cut short as well because of blood clots. I don't know for sure if Laurie's injury is up to that type of magnitude, but when you have to deal when you have to deal with heart issues or breathing type of issues, which were problems these past players I just mentioned had, it's definitely something you have to be extra cautious for. And we just pray and hope that nothing, uh, nothing for the best for Laurie has continues to use this offseason to get healthier and improve on, and improve and get healthier with his body to prepare for the next uh, upcoming season. And people have to remember, and again, it was very scary, what happened with the late Reggie Lewis, what happened with Hank Gathers. It's a scary thing. 
yeah, it's a very scary thing. But like you said, all we can hope for is for him to continue to improve and get healthy. And and we can tell that even from last year going into this year, he when Laurie is dedicated to the weight room and he's dedicated to keeping his body healthy, he is a force. And he's a very, very big key to what the Bulls offensive, especially offensively, they really need in order for them to get to that next level. He's a top, he's a top player uh, within the young core, especially within last year's draft. I believe like, uh, this last year he was an All NBA, All All Rookie Team player. So he has what it takes to help get this Bulls to the next level. But, but quite frankly, the, like everybody else on this roster, he has to stay healthy. The key for him is health, and that's something that not just him, but all the Bulls players on the roster, including the young core guys that, that they really are counting on like Zach Levine and Wendell Carter Jr. And if Chris Dunn does come back, Chris Dunn himself, they, these guys had to stay healthy in order for this rebuild to be as successful as, it, as the Bulls wanted it to be. Josh Hicks, who writes for the uh, weareregal.com and, of course, an NBA writer, covers the Bulls, among other things. Josh, looking ahead, Jim Boylan, from all accounts and from what uh, we were told by John Paxson and also by Gar Foreman and, frankly, also uh, by Michael Reinsdorf, uh, we'll be back. So they've got their head coach unless they decide to do something. Do you expect uh, that to be the case, or do you think there's still an outside chance they may decide to make a change after this season's done? I think I think he's back. I think he's coming back. The Bulls haven't been known to be as aggressive when it comes to making swift changes when needed when it comes from the top to the bottom. Um, Gar Foreman and John Paxson have been there literally since the beginning of multiple rebuilds and oftentimes it is time for a transition for them to leave but unfortunately but you know the book the Bulls management trust them and they want them to stay and locked in if they're if that's their guy that is their guy and Jim Boylan is one of those people where he's very respected within the league and due to the fact that over the, over the season he has gained the respect of the players especially the, uh, the big the big time uh, player that we picked up Zach Levine because of that great connection they have developed and the rapport that he has created not just through Zach Levine but throughout the rest of the team that's what's guaranteeing him a spot next year to stay as the Bulls head coach I don't see him moving anytime soon what Bulls fans certainly want to see this upcoming season no matter whom they end up getting uh, in this lottery and I don't think anybody uh, right now has any confidence that they're going to strike oil in free agency. It just has not happened. They haven't struck oil pretty much since they last won the NBA title in 98. I mean, when we're talking about uh, going through uh, Ron Mercer, Eddie Robinson, later on they got Carlos Boozer, who was not a terrible player, but let's face it, they were hoping to get uh, LeBron James or Chris Bosh or something, and instead they got Carlos Boozer, and let's be honest, he was the consolation prize. And everything else they've tried to do under free agency, for whatever reason, whether it was when Jerry Krause, rest his soul, was still with us or since they've taken over with the new regime, it just has not worked. Right. It hasn't worked. Uh, Chicago, even though it is a big market and a big market uh, franchise, unfortunately, we are still living off the fact that MJ brought us three rings, uh, brought us those six rings and those two three-peats instead of look, instead of changing what we need to change in order to make Chicago more attractive which is we have to make changes from the top to the bottom. It starts with the head. It starts with the front office management, and, um, and it starts with Garth Foreman and John Paxson. Their, their tenure, it's just time for them to move on and to let someone else take the reins to revamp the, the, the direction that this franchise is going in. Even though we have made some pretty interesting moves that many could argue could be the successful, could take us uh, a long way successfully, Unfortunately, we've been through so much turmoil with the vast, vast amount of rebuilds or many rebuilds, we can say, when it comes to the Bulls over time that it's just time for change. And until that change is made, it is not going to be an appealing city for big time free agents to want to consider coming long term, no matter who it is. Josh, as always, I'm glad you checked in with us. Uh, Thanks for staying up this late. But, uh, hey, the season is winding down. The Bulls defeated... uh, in Washington, when that team is bad, they call them the Washington Buzzards, not, not the Washington Wizards. Uh, 
Heck, they used to call their hockey team the Crapitals before they won a Stanley Cup last year. So we know how things are in the Beltway over there. But um, we still have a couple of games left, and uh, they got the Knicks again. The New York Bricks, I like to call them. And uh, can the Bulls actually figure out how to beat this team after losing to them in the Garden, do you think, uh, Josh? They, they have a chance, but no one's really worried about that, uh, unfortunately, because we should be focusing more on the offseason. But best believe I'll still be paying attention. Josh, thanks again. We'll talk with you soon.